Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Audrey Rinlisbacher, founder of the Mission Driven Mom and author of The Mission Driven Life. Today we get to do something really fun, and that is go over some highlights from our first annual MDM celebration event that was held uh, this year on October 19th. We were there all day Saturday, had about 100 women come, and good news is all of our video and audio worked out great, so we can make these recordings available to you in the future. It'll take us a little time to get those edited, but I'll let you know when they're available for purchase. And got a lot of really great feedback. I think the moms had a great day. I know we really enjoyed being together, seeing each other's smiling faces and supporting each other, chatting about how everything is going in our lives. And then of course, having some great, really deep, meaningful discussions around discernment and what discernment is and the areas of our life where we need to discern and all of that awesome stuff. So I'm going to spend a few minutes with you today giving you some highlights from the event, and you can look forward to when those recordings will come out. For those of you that attended, you may want to have those to review the material. And for those of you who weren't able to attend, you'll still be able to get all the wonderful information that we shared, not just um, in lecture form, but also lots of journaling experiences and discussion. We're able to capture the women's comments and you'll be able to participate in that virtually. And then we had uh, three definitions that we gave out, a principles list, and then a whole bunch of questions about when to discern and how to discern questions that you can use as a jumping off place when there's something you're wondering if you should discern or how you should go about discerning it and those principles to judge against. So really, really incredible experience. We opened up the day with an activity where there was just something random on the women's tables And they were supposed to discern what it was. And I don't think one of them figured it out. There were four or five different gadgets and uh, kind of randomly placed on different tables. And in the end, um, Lindsay told everybody what they were. Uh, One of them was like a watch repair kit. One of them held the toilet away from your wall. I can't remember what they were. But it instigated some really good discussion around, wow, you know, we live in an information age. There's so much out there to think about. We're just inundated with information all the time. And, you know, the more connected the world becomes, the more critical it it is for us to discern and to discern well. So often just what Um, is worthy of our time and what we should really take time to discern well. So we got into that. We talked about um, a lot of things that we feel like we have to discern about finances, where to move, health problems, friends and families, relationships, people leaving their faith. When our kids ask us hard questions or uh, struggle or get into trouble, where we can be involved in the community, who we really are and and what our gifts really are, that family culture that we should have, who we should vote for, what we should support in our community. 
all these things. And of course, if you know very much about the Mission Driven Mom and you've been with us for very long, you know that natural law and principles is a huge part of what we do. And so I gave out this first principle of discernment that our capacity for discernment is increased in proportion as we understand natural law and true principles. And so we really get better and better at clear discernment because principles clear up our our vision. Um, Had a discussion the other night with some incredible ladies, and one of the comments that was made by several of them was how helpful it's been for them in the academy to begin discerning between what's their opinion and what's really a principle. And that's so, so key to kind of clear your head of all the applications and all the advice and everyone's opinion that is coming at you so fast and be able to pinpoint a principle. And then you can discern for yourself what you feel the best application is around that principle. So that's the first principle of 10 principles that we gave out at this first event that will help us to be better discerners. I told a personal story from my life about a time when I had a child rebel and how painful that was and how discernment came to my aid and some of the things that we talked about throughout the day, how they had been helpful to me. And I talked about another principle of discernment around the importance of having a vision and how vision creates motivation for discernment. And uh, we talked about that principle. And a, a favorite quote of mine I've given on this podcast before, but I'll say it again because it's so poignant here. Alfred North Whitehead moral education and that is really what we're trying to give in our homes is we're trying to give ourselves and our children a true moral education is impossible he says apart from the habitual vision of greatness and that really tied into our discussion around family culture and discerning around family culture and uh, the need for a clear vision of who we're trying to become and uh, anyway just tied into a lot of things throughout the day around discernment. We got into um, some definitions about um, judgment, decision, what a decision is, and discernment, and how discernment is tied up with judgment and decision. We talked about how because we are moral beings, we make judgments. It's what we do. It comes as naturally to us as breathing. And there's no way that we cannot judge. We're going to judge because we have this law of right and wrong so strongly written on our hearts that we know there is a right and a wrong. And so we define judgment as a moral activity that all human beings engage in comparing their own or others' actions and intentions against a standard or belief. And that's really critical to understand because what we hear a lot is don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. And I kind of took a second to kind of nip that in the bud a little bit. That the the the, the original source, the best source for that for that idea is Jesus himself, who said, Judge not that you may that ye be not judged. That's in Matthew, but then of course, three books later in John, that same Jesus said, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And in fact, if you peruse scripture, even even world scripture, you'll find that judgment is something that um, people of all faiths have seen as critically important to do and do well and do wisely. 
because we are moral beings and as moral beings, a sense of right and wrong is written on our hearts. And so we will judge. So we have to judge better. We compared it to a judge at, at, on a bench, making judgments in a courtroom. He's, he's, he's participating in a moral action. He's taking someone's behavior and judging it against laws higher than everyone. And he does that very wisely. Um, he or she, as a judge, takes all the evidence into account. And we talked about all the different actions that a good judge would go through in order to come to the very best judgment possible. And then we talked about, and this was a theme all throughout the day, tying everything back to our behavior as mothers. We are judges in our home. We must make judgments about our own character, about our own behavior, about our own intentions. That's the only way that we can truly grow is to judge, do you know, engage in this moral action of judging ourselves against natural laws and true principles so that we can improve. It's also something that we have to do as mothers. We have to make judgments about, you know, our children's behavior, about their intentions, about what's coming into our home, who they're spending time with. And that we'll talk about that more in just a second when we talk about the culture in our homes. So this judgment was a huge part of the morning time that we spent together talking about how we will judge and how important it is that we judge well and how the world is telling us not to judge predominantly because they want to pretend like there isn't a right and wrong. When you make any judgment, whether it's a good judgment or a bad judgment or a well thought out one or whether it's true judgment or not, it's a moral action. And for those who don't want there to be a moral code, who don't want there to be a law higher than themselves, the first thing that they're going to do is encourage us not to make judgments because then they don't have to feel like there's a law that they're not answering to, that there's a conscience that they're not obeying. And so this is, this is kind of sticky ground because even in religious circles, we talk a lot about, we don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. And we just don't think deeper. This is why my personal mission statement came from Albert Schweitzer, who said, I stand and work in the world who wants it make, aims at making humankind better by making them think, by making them morally better and less shallow by making them think. And that's what, that's what we tried to do on Saturday. That's what I'm trying to do on this podcast. That's what we're trying to do in the academy. Had another woman make this comment the other day as well, that what's happening to her in the academy is deeper thinking that she realizes that she's kind of been controlled by the environment around her and she's thinking more deeply and asking better questions. So we don't want to make rash judgments. We don't want to make immoral judgments. We don't want to make judgments outside the framework of truth and natural law, which means we have to be really well versed in it, which takes us back to that first principle of discernment that we that the better we understand the the moral law, the better we can be moral agents and the better our moral judgments will be. So, you know, some of the quotes that we had there around judgment, this is Mortimer Adler, natural law is the basis of moral judgment. So true. Cicero said, um, man as a moral being possesses reason and judgment. And of course, Thomas Reed, who talked about first principles said judgment is automatic. It's like swallowing. It must be based on first principles and principles require the exercise of reason and judgment. So we really can't become better reasoning women and mothers and thinkers and better reasoning and, and, and more principled individuals unless we make better judgments. They're all interconnected. And so 
Um, this is a Scott Peck quote around love. We use his dis- d- definition of love in the academy. He said this, love requires wisdom and judgment, knowing what is best for someone and having the spiritual courage and mental discipline to take the necessary action. Because of course, true love is about doing whatever's necessary for the spiritual growth of ourselves and another. And we can't grow spiritually unless we're making wise moral judgments. Um, Mortimer Adler warned us when right feelings are not supported by right thinking, good men can be insensibly corrupted. And we see that all throughout history, especially in the 20th century, which tied into my presentation on indoctrination. Um, uh, one of the stories that I told around that is, is, is a Mortimer Adler story. He talked about how he and Dr. Hutchins were, were teaching a class. I think this happened in the (laughs) forties. a long time ago. And uh, they had PhD candidates who were in responsible teaching and leadership administrative positions in in education. And they started out this like week-long course with the definition of education. Education is the process whereby the power of human nature become developed by good habits. And he says, of course, I've italicized the word good because that as usual was the stumbling block The class objected to the definition as normative. The science of education is objective. Some of them said there's nothing good or bad bad about education, and others even shocked us more by suggesting that education might as well be a development of bad habits. The argument went on for days, requiring us to get down to fundamentals. In the course of it, we discovered that these professionals in education had been thoroughly indoctrinated with scientism and positivism. And we can say this is the case even more, you know, 80 years later, it's going to be far worse. The relativism, the humanism that's so pervasive, even the postmodern perspective. Um, and this is again, level three worldview stuff, but, um, they had to get down to fundamentals. They had to teach principles in order to help these people understand that education really does have a moral framework and it really does need to, it definitely is a moral activity we're engaging in. And so then he goes on to say that they could tell that these men and women were indoctrinated because he says the mark of indoctrination was that they really couldn't defend their position. The marks of the doctrine they had swallowed were the familiar denials of the objectivity of moral standards, the rationality of men, and the method of answering questions except that of empirical science. So that was really a poignant, clear example of we know we're indoctrinated when we can't really speak clearly the doctrines that we say we believe. And you have to be able to do this in a well-reasoned format. Now, there's nothing wrong with quoting scripture to support what you're saying. But if I'm outside your religious framework and you want to convince me of the validity of your moral stance, you have to be able to reason with me and appeal to the first principles that are written on my heart and the conscience that I that I naturally have and speak to me as a human to a human, not a believer to a non-believer. So that's something that I talked about with indoctrination. I spent some time telling the story of Ayn Rand and um, how she was indoctrinating her followers and they were being indoctrinated and neither of them even understood what was happening to them. She didn't set out to do that, but the nature of the way she went about teaching her followers was very indicative, indicative of an 
indoctrinationing, that's not a word, of, of an indoctrinating method. So I gave some tools for seeing indoctrination clearly and overcoming it. First, of course, listening to your conscience. But I talked about especially the, the quality of character of the leaders that you decide to follow. Because what's this really about? What's indoctrination really about? It's really about doctrine. It's about the adapt it's about adopting doctrines. And we adopt doctrines when we're someone's disciple. We're the disciple of something or someone. We can be disciples of truth. That would be wonderful. We also have certain individuals that we listen to. In fact, I defined indoctrination as the process of molding the thoughts and actions of individuals to conform with the beliefs and values of the leader. And we are disciples. We have mentors and we are so much more a product. I wish I could, I hope that over time as we're on this journey together, that you'll come to see how much we are all products of our civilization and how much we really have been indoctrinated. The idea that we should never judge is very indicative of how indoctrinated we are. How deeply have any of us really thought about what that means to say, don't judge? What does that even mean? What is even judgment? We defined that. We delved deeply into it. We really asked some good questions. Um, Lindsay gave some good questions around that. She gave a really awesome principle around judgment that I want to give you. Um, She said that we can only judge according, correct judgment happens when we, I can't find it. I think she said we... Oh, here it is. As moral beings, we show love by judging only according to stewardship principles and real needs. Super fascinating stuff. So, um, so we got that covered. I gave some more tools for indoctrination and talked about the quality of the leadership. Uh, this is another quote, a man who had, a man has as much authority intrinsically as he is able to speak the truth. So we need to know what the truth is and be able to identify it and identify with people who speak the truth. I talked about docility. I talked about evidence um, and the breadth of the information we're, we're spending time in. So all of those kinds of things. And I ended by asking three key questions about every person listening and engaging in this discussion on discernment and indoctrination. First, who are you a disciple to? What is your doctrine? And how well can you perpetuate it? Because that's really what we want to do. We really want to be doctrinated, not indoctrinated. We want to understand our doctrine thoroughly. And we want to be disciples of truth and of truth, other truth seekers that can hone our thinking and mentor us well. And then we want to perpetuate what true doctrines we know we have. So we want to get really good at that. And gave you some tools to do that. Then we broke up into three workshops um, around social discernment, spiritual discernment, and cultural discernment. So these were really, really cool. And I have to say, just, um, just by the way, one of the, I I was glad to see that um, the feedback that we got was very positive around content. And and that was what we were shooting for. If we didn't do a, a perfect job in other areas, that was okay. We didn't want to disappoint on content. And it looks as though from the feedback that we got on the 
on the response sheets that were that were given back that the content was really applicable, really rich, really deep. In fact, if there was a negative around it, it was that it was so much, that there was so much rich content there that they needed even more time to process it. So I was really glad to see that that was the case. We tried to give uh, a lot to think about and take home. And I will say, one of the one of the paradigms that we have at the Mission Driven Mom is, you know, where our, our motto is empowering with principles and purpose. And we want to reach you at the highest level that we can. We want to give you more than you can even take in. We want to stretch you. And we want you to know that our perception of you is that you are capable of a lot and that you are capable of understanding deep things. You're capable of reaching deeper inside yourself, uh, that you're brilliant, that um, that you're gifted, and that... As you learn more, there will um, there will be even more of you to give to your family and to the world. And so that's what we tried to reflect, our deep respect for you in the content that we presented this um, at this event to let you know that we know you're capable of grasping complex ideas because they're important. And so, and of course, all of this... <laughs> All of this is so poignant to us as mothers. We have to make good judgments. We have to engage in good discernment. We have to make sure we're not indoctrinated and our children are not indoctrinated. And we have to discern socially, culturally, and and, and spiritually. So let me touch on a couple cool things from these workshops that were shared. Julie talked about social discernment through natural rights and duties. She defined natural rights as that which justly belongs to one. And she gave these two quotes that delineate our four basic rights. This is Samuel Adams. Among the natural rights of the colonists are these, first, a right to life, secondly, to liberty, and thirdly, to property, together with the right to defend them in the best manner they can. And then James Madison Conscience is the most sacred of all property and is the right of every man to exercise it as these may dictate. So she put life, liberty, property, and conscience up on the board, explained as Ayn Rand said, individual rights are moral principles identifying the social conditions required by man's nature for his proper survival. And so we talked about how natural rights are first principles. They're written on our hearts by God. And they are the framework and the construct for helping us get along as human beings. They create the basic understanding between human beings. We all know them intuitively. And we understand that we have duties that extend to each other on a micro level and a macro level to help each other defend those duties, those rights and to not breach each other's rights. And it really is what makes any kind of society possible. And so... Then she talked about fitting these rights and duties into the proper role of government. She did some cool exercises um, that, that you'll see in these, um, in these lectures when we put them out. But she did some cool practice with identifying these rights in, in government. And that was really eye-opening. And then proper role of government. And then she went over entitlements. Entitlements are the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment, unearned privileges that you don't have a natural right to. And so um, 
we, we see these in action in our society, but we also see them in action in our homes. And so the last half of this workshop was practicing this in our homes and how we have a small government that we're running and there's a small economy we're running too. And later on in level three, especially we'll get into the economics in our homes and, and level two, the, the financial principles, but basically helping the women, walking them through the rules that they have in their home and how they comply or don't comply to this and practicing that and talking that through. And it was really eye-opening for many of the moms, something that they wanted to go home and think more about and practice more. I mean, we could do a whole follow-up day on this probably. Really, really great stuff. I'll end with this quote she gave by Thomas Jefferson. God has formed us as moral agents that we may promote the happiness of those with whom he has placed us in society by acting honestly towards all, benevolently benevolently to those who fall within our way, respecting sacredly their rights, bodily and mental, and cherishing especially their freedom of conscience as we value our own. So Tracy gave a workshop on spiritual discernment, and she spent time talking about her experience in visiting Abu Dhabi and then spending a year trying to discern whether or not her family should go to Abu Dhabi and how they would go and how they would make it happen and all the different internal and external battles that she and her husband were up against and all the ways that she had to continue to discern and things that she had to discern in order to clear her mind and heart to, to, to see things clearly and to proceed in the right way. She gave eight questions for spiritual discernment that were so insightful. I'll give you a couple of those. One of them was, have I researched and reasoned? What can I do to increase my understanding? She gave this quote by Dr. Arnold Green. We want to love God, not with an empty, small, or flabby mind, but with a mind as large, as vigorous, and as disciplined as we can possibly make it. And she talked about all the research and all the reasoning and thinking through things that they had to do. She gave another question. Am I discerning the source and truthfulness of my thoughts? What can I do to combat the negative thoughts and cultivate the good? Also so insightful in terms of discerning between what's what's adversarial, what's, um, what's God saying, what are our own thoughts, discerning between the three of those. She gave some good insights and examples from her own experience. And... What was cool is that she gave the women time to journal about each of these questions and then to share their insights and ask their questions so that they could see more clearly how these questions would help them. Here was another question she asked that I loved. Do I intend to glorify God or myself? What can I do to keep God the focus? So that was really awesome. And the last question What good is God trying to bring into my life? And that's something that as a board, we talked about extensively and um, kind of came up with together. It ties into one of the principles of discernment that we have on that principles list. Because when, when we're up against something tough that we have to discern, God's trying to bring something good into our lives, whether it's our own personal growth or blessings that we couldn't have seen or things that we need to know or do or experience that we couldn't see for ourselves. And if we have the frame of reference that God is trying to be, bring good into our lives, then it will change the way that we're viewing things. And so then she went on to say that before she went 
to Abu Dhabi if she would have been asked this question. And she said it would have helped her that entire year to have this question in front of her and be constantly asking herself, what good is God trying to bring into my life? Because she would have been more optimistic and more able to battle some of the negative that happened. She said, oh, we probably will learn about different cultures and broaden our horizons. But she said she developed deep relationships with people from all over the world and from all different faiths. She gained some of her deepest, most meaningful friendships. She gained a deep love of other cultures and their religions and a deep respect for their beliefs and how they practice their beliefs. She saw many opportunities to serve others who were struggling being far from home, strangers in a strange land, and it completely changed their family culture. Because she ended up needing to homeschool there, she happened upon resources um, that caused her to think more deeply and to rebuild a family culture. She learned at that time about principles from some of the stuff I was releasing back then, and uh, it profoundly changed the way that they, they talk in their home and became, started becoming more principle-centered. She said she never could have conceived all the blessings that God wanted to give, that, to give her, but God knew. And he knows what goodness he wants to bring into your heart and um, put your life on more solid footing to discern the truth more clearly and move forward on your mission path. So that was really beautiful. And then the last workshop was Lindsay, who talked about cultural discernment. She started out with a beautiful example of her own mother who knew what she wanted. She was a career woman and could have just worked full time, but she was a mother with a mission. And so she made the decision that she would stay home and that she would build an intentional family culture. Um, She went on a birthday retreat every year where she thought through her life and clarified her vision and became very intentional about what she did in her home. She was um, a really loved classics and had spent time in them. And so she surrounded her children with the classics and she taught them hard work. She built family relationships and they built deep relationships with God through scripture and prayer and church and all these things. And so she really honors her mom for building that family culture. And she made the point that um, she taught this principle, we build noble characters in our home when we discern the types of characters we spend time with. She talked about what real character is. These different definitions from the Greek, it comes from a word which means engraved mark, a symbol or imprint on the soul. The definition of character, of one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual, moral excellence or firmness. Daniel Taylor calls character values and actions, and our character is a product of our judgments and decisions over time. And then she gave five questions to help discern around family culture. And she talked about inviting the characters. First, she talked about identifying the values that you wanted to teach in your home and then brainstorming characters that exemplify these different traits and values that you wanted to have in your home and then inviting them into your home through what you read, the stories that you tell, the movies that you watch, the events that you attend, um, other families that you know, and, you know, they had foreign exchange students. 
She also said that we can surround ourselves with the best literature, art, film, music, etc., and we can work on our own character and set an example of being someone on a mission to build a very noble character. And that was just beautiful. She ended with this John Quincy Adams quote. No, excuse me, John Adams to John Quincy Adams, who said, the least stain upon your character will do more harm to your happiness than all the accomplishments will do it good. And of course, saying there that the choices that we make are um, infinitely more important than than anything else in terms of making good choices rather than just trying to succeed in a career or in the world. All these good things are wonderful and they make us feel good about ourselves, but if we're engaged in bad behavior, our character will will have stains upon it that have to be fixed. So building our own characters by spending time with the kind of characters that we want to be like. And that goes back to that Alfred North Whitehead quote about um, the perpetual vision of greatness to build um, a moral character, the moral education that we want to have for ourselves and our families. So that was um, what went on. At this event, just a few highlights so you have kind of a sense of what we covered. I ended the day by talking about once we've paid the price, asking ourselves all the questions, looking at the definitions, going over the principles, taking the time to discern properly, that then what needs to happen is that we look for the good consequences of our well-discerned decisions. And as we execute whatever we felt was right after paying the price to know that it was right, to not let immediate bad consequences, like maybe um, you have to change what you're doing financially and cinch things up and that's kind of painful, or maybe you have to put a better boundary in place with someone and they're not happy about it. But focus on the long-term blessings and consequences that will come from making well-discerned decisions and, and acting upon them. Be patient, govern your thoughts, watch for the blessings, and have an expectation of good to come from your spiritual, mental, and emotional work. And remember always that God honors your efforts. If you've got the car moving, he can, he can direct it, and he will give you exactly what you need when you need it, when you're really trying to partner with him to be a discerning mother. In the evening, we got to celebrate 21 level one graduates and hear from four amazing graduates. A lot of people got to go home with the Mission Driven Life hard copy book in their hands. And so it was um, it was really an awesome, awesome day. We're excited for next year. That will be happening in a year in the fall. Again, we'll release our um, theme for next year at the first part of 2020 and let you know what that will be about. So uh, you can be looking forward to that and the day will go different. It will be a different kind of theme and a different kind of day, but just as inspiring, just as wonderful, hopefully more so. And uh, hopefully those of you that couldn't join us this year can be there next year. We'll have even more level one graduates and hopefully some level two graduates too. So thank you so much for joining me today for those highlights from our MDM celebration. If you don't have your copy of The Mission Driven Life, please head over to themissiondrivenmom.com 
for your copy of that audiobook. And please continue to share out this podcast if it's been beneficial to you. Tell your friends and your family. Give us a review and join our Facebook group if you're not already a member so we can get to know you. And I will see you next time.